You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. And it's good to be back to just worship with our family. I love seeing you guys. I love being here every week with you to truly focus on Jesus, to to realign. Maybe we've had bad weeks. Maybe we've had a, a bad night before. Maybe even we've had a bad Sunday morning before we got here. And if you have little kids that you try to get ready every Sunday, trust me, I know that some Sundays can be really bad before church. But we get to come here and we get to, we have the opportunity to truly realign our focus on what really matters, and that is Jesus. We have the, the ability, the choice, and the opportunity to really realign our focus on the message of Jesus. And that's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is how Jesus came, he died, he gave us salvation, and he also gave us freedom to live life through him. And that a lot of times, even though we've, we've been given that freedom, we, we have the, all the means necessary through the Spirit to live in that freedom. Because of our choices, because of our thoughts, because of our decisions, we still live in the bondage of the world. We still live in the bondage of sin. When Jesus came to give us life, to give us life to the fullest, and to truly give us freedom. And we've seen how we can have freedom in different areas. We see that Paul was writing this letter to a lot of different churches in Galatia, and they, they had experienced freedom. They had experienced the, the message of Jesus, which is you, you are saved by grace through faith. That There's nothing else that we can do to add to that. We can't earn salvation. We have to trust in Jesus. We can't earn it. And we try so hard to do whatever we can do personally, whatever we can do as humans to to really earn and and get that salvation from Christ. And what, what, what happened is the Galatians had received the message of Jesus. They had experienced what it really was to live in freedom. And then they had a group of people, the, the Jews who were saying, hey, that's not the truth. You need to do more. There's, there's certain laws that you have to follow. And they began to kind of fall back into that lifestyle. And we're going to be in Galatians chapter 3 this morning. But I want to ask you a question. For this, this is for the married folks in the room. When you were dating your spouse, things, hopefully, because you married them, were pretty good. You, you had a good, a good relationship. Maybe you went on a lot of dates. Maybe y'all were really lovey-dovey with each other. And just that romance and that chemistry was there. And then you get married. And some of that tends to go away a little bit. Amen? Now, not always. Some of you are just rock stars and y'all's marriage is better than your dating relationship. And that's great. That's how it should be. You should continue to date your spouse. But here's what we do a lot of times is we get to this point where, man, we're married now. So what we used to do, we no longer need to do that because now we have this relationship is not going anywhere. So the dating and the romance and all that can go away. And then we start to experience some problems because our relationship isn't what it used to be. So we tend to start really well and then we finish 
really bad. And if you're honest, you've probably had some seasons in your relationship that were like that. It's the same thing. I'm a huge baseball fan, and man, I, I really, I'm a, I'm a Braves fan, and I know that that's, that's like heartbreaking a lot of times, and I'm used to that. It's just something that I've learned to, to live with and deal with. But this is what happens a lot of times in baseball is that teams make the playoffs, and then for some reason, they don't do what they did to get them there. So they, they did a certain thing, they played a certain way to, to make the playoffs, and then they get to the playoffs, and they don't play the same way anymore. In essence, they started well, but then they finished really bad. And we're going to see that the Galatians had a really good start, but then they started to falter and not continue on. And we're going to see what Paul says to them in Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 7, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let's pray. God, I pray that you speak through your spirit. God, I pray that the, the words in your holy word speak to hearts this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here that twice, twice, Paul refers to these people as fools. He calls them foolish two times. And the Greek word for foolish here is Anitos, which really means that you have the knowledge, but you refuse to act on it. So you know what to do, but you don't do it. I don't know if you've ever been there in your life where you knew what to do, but you didn't do it. And I've, I've said this many times, and this is a great example for me because it's true and it's real, that a lot of times when I have to put something, something together at home, it doesn't always go very well. There's instructions and there's like 30, 35 steps. And I might go through the first four or five steps and it's like, this is cool. I think I can get the rest of the 30 without looking at this, this manual. I don't need it anymore. And I end up with screws and, and little wood chips and all kinds of stuff left over. It's like, I think it's good. I don't really know. They just gave us extra parts. But we start off well. And then we think we can do it on our own after that. We don't really need the instruction anymore. Or maybe, listen to this, maybe we know exactly what to do. We know exactly what the truth is, but we refuse to live by the truth. We refuse to do it the way that we know works. We refuse to do something the way that we know is the right way to do it. And that's what Paul was saying to, to the people in Galatia. He's saying, hey, you know the truth. You know the truth is that God sent his son to die for you. You know the truth is that you were saved by his grace alone, through faith, and that's it. Not of works, nothing you can do. 
You truly just have to have faith in the grace of God. But you're refusing to live that way. So you're foolish because of that. And he says, who has bewitched you? Who who has placed a spell on you? Who has hypnotized you? And my question for us this morning is what have we allowed to hypnotize us from the truth of God? What have we allowed to, to put some spell on us? What have we allowed to get in the way of the truth? And you may be sitting there saying, well, nothing. I know the truth of God, and that's great, but are you acting on the truth of God? Are you living in the freedom? Because it's not just enough to know about the freedom. We must live in the freedom, or we are, as Paul says, foolish. And my prayer for us is that none of us are foolish. And that's what this message is about, freedom from foolishness. We, we don't want to live as fools, I would imagine, that none of us want that title. None of us really want that to be a characteristic of our life. We don't want to be foolish. So how can we not be that way? How can we truly begin to live in the freedom that God wants us to live in? Anybody play golf in here? All right, a few. So here's one of the, the, the biggest sayings in golf, right, is it's not how you drive, it's how you arrive. And what that means is you can drive one right down the middle as far as you want to. But if your shot into the green isn't good, it doesn't really matter how good your drive was. And I experience that often. It's really, it doesn't matter how straight you hit it off the tee or how far you hit it off the tee if you can't get it to the green. And this is really the, the idea of this, is, is Paul is saying here, hey, you received salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Jesus alone. That's how this whole thing started. That's how you began a relationship with Jesus. So why are you now trying to have power and to live life by your own power and by your own works? It's not the same spirit that saved you, the same spirit that wants to give you power to live life, is what Paul is saying. And how often is it that we believe the words that are in the book, we believe God's word, we really, we really think that it's real, and we think that, that Jesus is, is somebody that we really want to be with, we really want a relationship with, we really want to follow, and it's all this intellectual stuff going on, and we never begin to truly follow after him and live in the freedom that he has for us. And man, that, that burdens me because I know what it's like to live in bondage and I know what it's like to live in freedom. And a lot of us, even though we say we want freedom, we choose to live in bondage over and over and over and over. And I'm not saying it's an easy choice. I'm not saying that it's, it's just some tiny little prayer that you have to pray. What I'm saying is we have the ability and the power because of the Holy Spirit within us as believers to live in the freedom of Christ. That's the truth. And that's what Paul was saying. So number uh, three ways. Number one is this. We remember the start. If we don't want to live in foolishness, then we remember how it all started. And it all started with Jesus. We remember 
that Jesus loved us enough, even in our sin, even in our bondage, to die for us. And that because of his grace, our faith in him has saved us. And that's how it all started. We see in the book of Revelation in chapter 2 that this is a letter to the church at Ephesus. And God says, hey, I have this one thing against you that you've left your first love, that you no longer love God the same way that you used to, that when you receive salvation, you had this passionate, intimate desire to be with God. That's how it all started. But then there's some, something that happens somewhere along the way, we begin to, to leave that first love. We begin to wander away. We begin to think that man, we must do more, that we have the ability to please God on our own. And we must remember how it all started. It wasn't us. It was all about Jesus. Number two is this, and we're going to spend most of our time here this morning. But number two is we rely on the Spirit. We rely on the Spirit Verse 5 says this, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Now, I want to explain just a couple things to you this morning because we've been using the words justified and righteous, and, and I really want you to understand what those words really mean. So when we see righteousness or we see justified, that means that we deserve some type of punishment, and now we are justified and we're righteous and we don't have to face that punishment anymore. This was a, a legal term that they used. So people would understand that you deserve punishment. There's a sentence that you deserve. But because of Jesus, you are now found justified. You no longer have to serve that sentence. You're no longer punished that way because Jesus has already faced the punishment. He's already taken the sentence for you. How awesome is it that we deserve the worst punishment that we could ever imagine? But God loved us enough to say, hey, Jesus is going to take this punishment for you. And because he's righteous, he's going to impute his righteousness into you as a believer so that you are now justified. You no longer have to face that punishment. And not only that, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I'm not just going to save you and leave you. And we've been saying that each week in this series, that that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't save you and then say, good luck. I hope you get it right. He says, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And the spirit that is in you is the same spirit that raised me from the dead. And that's something that we have to believe. It's not something that we can just say on a Sunday. It's not something that we can just quote and think that, all right, man, I, I have the Spirit, same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Yay. No, we have to truly rely on the Spirit of God and truly believe by the way that we live our life that it's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And I'm afraid that a lot of times as, as Christ followers, we don't truly understand the power within us. We don't truly 
tap into the Spirit. We don't truly yield to the Spirit. We don't truly believe in our hearts that the Spirit really is within giving us resurrection power. But if we stop there and we think, well, man, I must be pretty important. God's given me the Spirit with resurrection power. Go, Dustin. This is great. Watch what I'm about to do. If we stop there, then we're missing the point. Because the point isn't about us. We get the Spirit so that the kingdom of God can be impacted through us. It's not for our benefit. It's for the benefit of the kingdom. It's so that more people can come to know who Jesus is. It's so that more dead people can come to life. It's so that more lost people who are on their way to an eternity separated from God in hell can come to a saving relationship and knowledge of Jesus. To spend an eternity in community and in worship with the Heavenly Father. That's what it's about. The resurrection power isn't for me. It's not for my benefit. It's so that God can use me how he sees fit to use me. And here's the problem. We all say, man, I want to be used by God. I tell you what, I want to be used like never before. I want him to help me to teach the the biggest Sunday school class there is at Impact Church. And you can because we have none. So our biggest Sunday school class is zero. So good luck. We do have life groups, and I would encourage you to join one of our life groups. That's how we just live in community and grow in God's love together, and it's phenomenal. But man, it's not about what we can gain from this. Yeah, God wants to give us life and give us life to the fullest, and he wants to bless us with heavenly blessings, and he wants us to have a life that is is focused and centered around him and And I'm confident that if we rely on the Spirit, understanding that we have the Spirit to do His work, to do what He calls us to do in His power, then our life is going to be just fine. Amen? We're never going to want, not that we're never going to think that we need something or that we want something, but man, when we're truly relying on the Spirit, we're satisfied in Him. Because his grace is enough for us. And we said this last week, but his promises are always yes and amen. And he promises us. He promises us that he'll never leave us, that he'll never forsake us, that he's always with us. And he just, all we have to do is tap into that. And say the spirit is real and I want to rely on him. I want to rely on the Spirit. But how do we do that? How do we truly rely on the Spirit within us? And I want to, I want to give you just a, a practical example of how we can really do this. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know what, what season you're in. I don't know if it's a joyful season or if it's a, if it's a really bad season. I don't know if you're struggling with some sin or, or whatever it may be for you. But this is what I know. I know that whatever we think, our thoughts dictate our future. So the more we think about something, the more that becomes reality for us. 
whether our thoughts are true or not, whether it's the truth or a lie. It doesn't really matter at that point. The more we think about it, the more it becomes a reality for us. And I'm, I'm willing to say this morning that some of us are having negative thoughts. We're having thoughts full of worry and anxiety. We're having thoughts full of, I'm not good enough. Thoughts full of, I'm too bad of a person, or I'll never measure up, or there's no way God can use me. And the more we think those thoughts, the more that becomes a reality for us. And the more we think those thoughts, the more we take the focus off of Jesus and put it on ourselves. So here's how we can rely on the Spirit. We must transform our minds. And Paul says that, right? Paul tells us that in Scripture, that it's the renewing of our mind. And how do we do that? How do we renew our mind? We begin to take inventory of what we're thinking and lining it up with what God says about us. So we say, man, I'm just not good enough. And God says, but I'm good enough. You say, man, I'm just not strong enough. And God says, but I'm strong enough. You say, man, I have all this worry and this fear. And God says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear and worry. I gave you a, a spirit of a sound mind, a spirit of strength through me. You say, man, I'm just not, I'm not made very well. I'll never measure up. And God says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You say, well, I just, I don't have friends. I'm not really a part of a family. I'm just, I'm all by myself. And God says, hey, you're a part of the family of God. You're a part of my family. You're my son. You're my daughter. You've been adopted into my family by the Holy Spirit. And we begin to measure our thoughts against what God says. And what God says is always greater and always better and always more true than what we could ever think on our own. And when we begin to, to accept what God has said about us, and we begin to truly believe that what he says is true, that, man, I, I'm a child of the one true king, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, that he's given me a peace that passes all understanding, that I have the joy of the Lord, and that's my strength because of who he is, not because of who I am. Then we can truly begin to rely on the Holy Spirit because we believe what God has said, not only about us, but about himself. Because he is everything that we're not. And I heard a pastor explain the I am statement that way one day where God says, hey, tell him I am sent you. He said, well, I am what? He says, I am everything that you're not. You're weak, but I am strong. You're a liar, but I am truth. Everything that we struggle with, everything that we're not, guess what? He is. And we have that as believers because the Spirit lives within us. But are we truly relying on that? I want you to take inventory of your thoughts. I want you to think about what you think about. And measure that up against what God says. And once we begin to truly believe all the things that God says about us and about himself, 
man, it becomes a little easier to trust that the Holy Spirit wants to do some amazing things through us. Not just for our sake, but for the sake of the kingdom and the glory of God. To make him famous to a world that desperately needs him. And our job is to love God and to love people. And to show his love to a world that is hurting. A world that's broken. A world that's lost. And we have the answer. And the answer is Jesus. The third way that we can not live in foolishness is remain in the faith. We see at the end of this passage, starting at verse 6, it says, Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And I know that's a lot of just kind of some stuff running together. And it's like, I don't really know what that means. Here's what that means. That Abraham was counted righteous, not because of, of who he was, but because he had faith in God. And God said, it's because of your faith that you're going to be blessed. And it's because of your faith that there's going to be others that are blessed because of your faith. And that tells me that, man, faith is of utmost importance in this scenario. That we're saved by grace through faith. That we have a part to play. And you say, well, you've been saying we don't have to do anything the last three weeks, that this isn't a works-based thing. And that's the truth, it's not. Our job is to have faith in what he's done. And our job is to have faith that he didn't just start it, he wants to finish it. That he is the, the author and the perfecter of our faith. That we have faith because of him and our faith is made stronger because of him. It's not about what we can do. And hence lies the problem. That we're all really good at saying the prayer. We're all really good at saying, I want to follow Jesus. And then, again, something goes wrong. We begin to believe some distorted gospel that we have to do something to grow spiritually, that we have to do something to get closer to God. And here's what we have to do, remain in the faith. That we keep the faith. That we continue to trust in His power. That we continue to know that it's all about Him. That we continue to know that it doesn't matter how strong we think we are, how smart we think we are, or how well we think we can take our next steps, that we can never take our next step without him leading us to that next step. I'm going to make a bold statement here. But if you take a next step without Jesus, your step was the wrong way. And we're all about taking next steps here. We, we want everybody to just keep taking steps, but we say we want people to keep taking steps of faith together. And we can't take steps of faith without Jesus. That's what it's about. 
And you, you may get tired of hearing me say this over the next few weeks, but it's all about Jesus. It always has been and it always will be. And the reason that I'm going to continue to say that is because I believe it and because I want you to believe it, not just a head knowledge of it, but I want you to live it out. I want Jesus to become the center and the central point of your life. I want the Spirit to work in you because you're truly relying on the Spirit to work. Man, I want us all to grow in God's love together. And I want us to, to experience life like never before. But we're never going to do that if we continue to live in foolishness. Because now you can't leave here and say, well, I didn't know. Now you know. And if you don't act on it, Paul would say, why are you being foolish? Who has bewitched you? I'm going to end with this question again, is what in your life have you put or have you allowed to get in the way? And if we think about this, man, I, I think we could, all, we could all say that there's something. There's something that we've allowed to get in the way of the Spirit in our lives. There's something that we've elevated above God. There's something that's hindering us from really experiencing that fullness of life that Jesus said he came to give. What is that for you? What has hypnotized you to the point where you feel stagnant in your growth? What has what fooled you enough to believe that it's more important than the Spirit of God? And we all have to be honest about that this morning. Now we're we're, we're an honest place here at Impact Church. We're very transparent. And I want you to be that way this morning. I want you to think about your life. And is God in the proper place? Remember when you received salvation and how excited you were. Because you knew that for the rest of your life, you were going to be a child of God. And you knew that when you left this earth, you were going to enter glory with the Heavenly Father. But for some reason, maybe you've left that love. You've wandered away from the start. You've wandered away from the truth. You've wandered away from the focus of it all. And this morning, my prayer is that we know why. We, we can really understand and admit what it is that's in our life that needs to, to leave. And I'm going to tell you what it was for me. Because again, we're, we're open and we're honest here. And I want you to know that, man, everybody struggles. Amen? It doesn't matter if you're on this stage or not. It doesn't matter if you're, a, if you're a pastor, if you have a title, or none of that matters to Satan. He hates you. And he wants you to believe lies 
And he wants your life to be full of destruction and death. The only time that Satan is ever credited with creating anything is when he's called the father of lies. He is, he is the master of deception. And something that I struggled with for a long time was the approval of man. And I wanted other people to, to give me praise. I wanted to impress people, whether it was with sports or with good grades or if it was uh, in relationships or I wanted to be the coolest guy in the group or I wanted to be the smartest person in the meeting or I wanted to be the best youth pastor there ever was. But not for Jesus, but for Dustin. Because I live for the approval of man. And I struggled with that for a long time. And, and I'm going to be honest with you that and it was hard to get past that. And I couldn't do it by myself because I tried and I tried and I tried. Because although I trusted God to save me, for some reason, I didn't trust him to take that away from me. And I think that's what we do. Is that we trust in the power of God to save us, but we don't trust in the power of God to change us. And he doesn't just want to save you. He wants to transform your life. And it wasn't until I said, you know what, man, I can't live life like this anymore. This isn't a healthy way to live life. It's not a spiritual way to live life. It's not a God-honoring way to live life. I don't care if people approve of me or not. And I live for God and God alone. And if I can, if I can do what God wants me to do, which is have faith in Him, and to give Him glory and honor and praise, man, He's going to take care of the rest. And today, there's some people that still like me, and there's some people that don't. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Because I'm not living for them. And when I allowed their approval of me to supersede God, one, I was living in sin, and two, I was distorting the gospel. Because the gospel says that it's all about Jesus. It's not about other people. It's not about me. And I had to recenter my life. And it's something that I still have to be very intentional about. Is to, to say, man, you know what? I really, I'm thinking that I really want this person to approve of, of this decision or, or this message on Sunday or, or this life group thing that we decide or whatever it is. And it's, it's thoughts that come up. And in those moments when those thoughts come, I have to immediately be intentional about comparing it to what God said. And God said, hey, I didn't tell you that they had to like the message. I called you to just preach the truth. Don't, don't worry if they like it or not. So you know what? I don't care if you like it. And I love you guys. But I want you to know that I'm not up here for your approval. And you're not here for my approval. 
We're all here to please God through faith and by giving him the honor and the glory and the praise. So what is it that's in your life that's keeping you from experiencing the true power of the Spirit? Be honest about that today. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to to write where you are to talk to Jesus. To write where you are. I'm not going to ask you to come up here, but right where you are, I'm going to ask that you you truly get in in an intimate moment with God and that you lay those things down at his feet. That you say, no longer do I want to live for the approval of man. I want to live for you and you alone. Or no longer do I want this addiction to to have a stronghold over me. I want to truly live in the power of the Spirit. And you may say, I've prayed this prayer before and it doesn't work. I've I've really prayed that that I would get rid of this stuff and it, it never worked. And I understand that because I've been there as well. But I'm not asking you to do anything but to tell God that you need him and that you want his spirit to do work in your life. I want you to admit your weakness. I want you to admit your vulnerability. I want you to admit where you fall short. And then trust in the spirit through faith to do work in your life that you can't do on your own. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.